Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Los Angeles Dodgers are heading to the National League Championship Series. Their dream of repeating is alive. I can't believe the game that we just watched, Game 5, Elimination Game. It started with Dave Roberts being credited with the decision to go with an opener. But, of course, that was Andrew Friedman's decision. It ends with Max Scherzer getting the first save in his professional career. Of course, after Dave Roberts said Max Scherzer wasn't available, Here's a little hint. We never paid attention to anything the other side said. When they told us a pitcher wasn't available or they would tell the media pitcher was available, not available, this guy's got a little tweak here or there. We ignored it. You knew Scherzer was pitching in this game. Tight game. Logan Webb goes seven strong. The opener for the Dodgers, it works fine. They go through two pitchers in two innings. Then they go to Urias in the third inning. But he only can go four innings because you have to pinch hit for him. So at the end of the day, the game's in the hand of the closers. The Giants closer is what we call an up-down guy. Not an uptown girl, an up-down guy. Back and forth to the minor leagues, becomes the full-time closer after their main closer, McGee, has a little oblique issue. Do you really trust a rookie as your closer in the postseason? Yeah, you do. When he gets you there, when he's hot in September, when you see what he did earlier in this series, when you see the movement on his slider, he's in. I'm not blaming Gabe Kapler for keeping him in the game and for having him throw that extra slider to Cody Bellinger in the ninth inning. Not at all. Cody Bellinger, everyone is saying he did it. He drove in the game-winning run. Everything is forgotten. His entire bad season is forgotten because he got the game-winning RBI in an elimination game five. Is that how we look at it? You're damn right we do. Who cares what happened in the regular season? They are moving on to the league championship series. He was down in the order hitting seventh. Cody Bellinger, the MVP. He's lucky he wasn't benched. If it weren't for Max Muncie and his dislocated elbow, I'm not sure Bellinger is playing in this game. So much to break down. I want to uh, start by congratulating the Dodgers and the Giants and to tell you that the Giants season now becomes a failure. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But you win 109 games. You're supposed to win 75, but you're out in the first round. If you ask everyone in that clubhouse right now, they will tell you that they were happy to win those games during the regular season, but none of it matters if you don't win the big one. And you can't win the big one if you can't get out of the first round. On the Dodgers' side, they are well-positioned. They built themselves for this point. They signed Trevor Bauer just to have a chance to repeat. I didn't misspeak. They signed Trevor Bauer just to have a chance to repeat. Trevor Bauer, done, as you know. They got to get into the trade market. 
They make the most impactful trade deadline. Let's go for it. Let's repeat deal. They bring in the batting champion, Trey Turner, and Max Scherzer to go into the starting rotation. They withstand Clayton Kershaw getting hurt and not pitching in the postseason. He's not going to pitch this entire postseason. And you look at their team and up and down the lineup, all the way through the bullpen, they look like the best team, don't they? Well, they weren't. The Giants actually were a better team. But one pitch, one hanging slider to Cody Bellinger, and poof, it's gone. Now, I see people here getting upset about the umpire calling third strike on a swing. How do you end a game that way? Do you know umpires are taught to ignore situation? You call the game as though it's the fourth inning of a Tuesday in July between 200 lost teams. When a swing is a swing, it's a swing. When a strike is a strike, it's a strike. That's what they're taught. But guess what? Before every postseason game, there's a representative of the commissioner's office that scurries into the umpire's room and meets with the umpires, talks about the situation, talks about who's playing. Did MLB want the Dodgers to go forward? Which is the better story, do you think, for MLB, for the networks, the Dodgers trying to repeat? A repeat of last year's NLCS? Or the San Francisco Giants? How many Giants can you name after watching five games? Can you go through the whole lineup? Remember, postseason is about getting fans to watch games who normally don't watch games. Of course, they want the Dodgers of course, they want the Dodgers. A couple of other things of note in this game that fascinated me. Mookie Betts. I used to be a guy back in the day, 15 years ago, when Ichiro signed that deal with Seattle, where I called it the end of the world as we know it. Too much money for a singles and doubles hitter. Too much money for a speed average defense guy who doesn't show power in the big leagues. Then Mookie Betts signs with the Dodgers. I didn't comment on that because I wasn't in the game anymore and it didn't matter to me. But the reality is that in a league, think about this. All we talk about are home runs. We talk about strikeouts. We talk about walks, the three true outcomes. Mookie Betts goes four for four, gets four hits. Was it four for four, Coca, or was it four for five? I think it was four for four today. By the way, during this live stream, Coca could actually have his voice heard but he's quiet. Maybe he's a little tired. Betts steals a base. And he is involved in the first run of the game when Corey Seager doubles him in after getting a hit and then a stolen base. What's exciting about Mookie Betts is his arm, his defense, his ability to get on base, his ability to get hits. He does have power. And you can have a guy at the top of your lineup making $30 million who doesn't hit 50 home runs, who's not a Darren Ruff, for example, a guy brought in from Korea who hit the game tying home run five minutes after the Dodgers scored their first run. When we all th thought that this game could possibly go 15 innings, Ruff comes in, hits the home run off Urias immediately. But you just got the feeling, didn't you, this entire game for four hours I'm watching just waiting for the Dodgers to win. Because it occurs to me, that I picked the Giants in the pick of the day. So of course the Giants are gonna lose. So now what? Guess what the Dodgers are doing? They're celebrating as we speak. Scherzer will take his shirt off. He's gonna pour champagne. And they are packed. When they got on the plane to San Francisco for today, 
they were told to pack for a four-day trip. Today is Thursday, San Francisco. Friday, Atlanta. Saturday, Atlanta. And then back on Saturday night to Los Angeles. When you have a chance to win a game on the road and you know you will be the road team in the next series, the traveling secretary sends out an email, but many players don't get the emails. They actually post it in the clubhouse. And then there's a big text group. All of the players are in a text group with the traveling secretary. And they text pack for three is what it would say. And then when they get to the clubhouse, all their suitcases get put on the luggage truck and they don't have carry-ons. They have the full suitcases because the assumption is you are going to win the game and get on an overnight flight, which they are going to do a red eye flight. It's a charter, but it's still a red eye. And they will land in Atlanta. What time is it now? It is approximately 9.50. They're going to celebrate till about 10.50. They're going to have an 11.10 bus. The airport in San Francisco, generally we flew out of Oakland. That is way easier. That's where the teams fly out. You just cross the bridge, fly out of the Oakland airport. My guess is they're looking at wheels up. Let's just assume if they leave the clubhouse at 11, wheels up at about midnight, which is 3 a.m. in Atlanta. It's from San Francisco to Atlanta. You're talking about four hours and 20 minutes flight time, let's say. They're talking about a 5 a.m. arrival, go to bed, and then we'll have a workout tomorrow on the off day. Let's say a 4 p.m. or a 5 p.m. workout. And then they open the NLCS on Saturday. So I misspoke in the beginning. We're live. I misspoke. The Dodgers packed for not just Friday, but also Saturday and Sunday. They don't get to fly back to LA until after the game Sunday. That's why it's a four-day pack. So that's what's going on right now in the Dodgers clubhouse. In the San Francisco clubhouse, you've got Gabe Kapler walking around every player when you lose a series like this. You just pretty much pat him on the butt. You thank them for their work, and you don't say much more. You have individual meetings. You don't call a team meeting right now. You thank the players for all their work, and then you say you'll see them tomorrow because all the players will come back tomorrow, clean out their lockers, and get ready for the offseason. The finality of a season, it's such a bizarre thing. When you end during the regular season, everyone's ready to go by the last game. Everyone's packed up their locker. The clubbies have gotten all their stuff boxed up. They put address labels on it to send back to the players' off-season homes. But when you're in the playoffs, you don't expect to be going home. The San Francisco Giants were expecting to host a game on Saturday against the Atlanta Braves. But instead, we've got part deux of Braves-Dodgers. Who's favored with the Braves having home field advantage? Do you know why that's a rule? Created that rule. Wild card teams cannot have home field advantage in a league championship series. We want you to win your division. We want there to be a reward. That's a dollar bet, Coca, that I lose. Put it in the jar. They. I'm coming to you live with an unbelievable cold at the moment, by the way. Can you hear it? I can't hear myself talk at the moment. My throat is close to about a milliliter. I've sneezed about 40 times and Coca said, don't sneeze when you're live. How can I control when I sneeze? But I'm trying. I'm schwitzing and I'm blowing my nose and I'm sneezing. 
And now that detour led me to totally forget what we were talking about. Braves, wild card, win the division. You cannot get home field advantage. So the Braves get to host game one. When can Scherzer come back? When can Urias come back? Today's Thursday. Scherzer is going to pretend that he just threw an in-between start bullpen today. We never wanted our pitchers to feel that way because when you go into a postseason game and pitch an actual inning, that is way more stressful than an in-between start bullpen game. That counts as a full start in my mind. So today is Thursday. Let's say Scherzer needs three days off, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's already game two. I don't think Scherzer's ready until game three in L.A. What about Urias? Nope. He went four innings. He's not ready either. So what they're going to have to do is go Bueller game one. They may have to go bullpen game two or bring Scherzer back short. Either way, I don't like it. Either way, I'm nervous about the Dodgers. Meanwhile, the Braves are perfectly set up, perfectly with their top three. Morton, I think he goes one. Freed two, Anderson three. Who's got the advantage? Dodgers better lineup. Dodgers better pitching. Braves, let me let me think about that. What do the Braves have an advantage over the Dodgers in? <clears throat> Nothing. Dodgers are going back to the World Series. Dodgers are going to win the pennant, and I predicted they wouldn't, but they are. Someone's asking on this live show why Scherzer was pitching. The answer is, if you go with an opener, you're using trying in early, right? They started with Knebel, then they went to Gratterall, so they're done. Then Urias, he's done. Then you bring in Trinan. Then you bring in Jansen. You have no choice. Scherzer's the only one left. You're not going to anybody else. That was their pitching plan from the beginning. I assure you. You could see Scherzer getting ready to pitch from the beginning of the game. That's the answer to that question. All right, any other questions on this series? No, Urias went four. What do you got for me, Coca? Because I'm going to move on because there's such there's so much other news that we have to talk about today. Okay, I'm moving on. Did you see what happened today? <laughs> I'm just curious. Lance McCullers is out of the ALCS. Lance McCullers has forearm tightness that we predicted he would not be able to pitch. And guess what? He's out. That means Dusty Baker is going with Valdez and Garcia in games one and two. That means the Red Sox have such an advantage going with Evaldi in game one. Just as we predicted. But then the Red Sox announced they're starting Chris Sale. What the hell are they doing? What could possibly be going through Chaim Bloom's mind to start Chris Sale? I figured it out. 
He's rewarding Chris Sale for only going one or two innings in his previous two starts this postseason. And he's giving Evaldi an extra day's rest because he's been so successful. And the problem with that plan is that if you pitch game two, you can only then pitch game six. You can't go two and five. You can go one and five, but not two and five. Now, Avaldi gets two starts in the series and then is out of the bullpen in game seven with an extra day of rest versus having him go one, five, and then having that extra day's rest. Now he's going to go two, six and has a fewer, one fewer day of rest. Why? The first question that Dave Roberts needs to be asked. Chris Sale came out and said, I know why. Because he trusts me. He loves me. He's showing me that he has my back. Nope. I don't care about that in the postseason. I'm trying to win a ring. I'm not trying to make Chris Sale feel better about his crappy season or coming back from Tommy John or his big contract extension. I could care less about any of that. ALCS. We already previewed that yesterday, but that was that was a big change. All right, let's talk about Schilt and the Cardinals, please. The St. Louis Cardinals were eliminated by the Dodgers. The Cardinals won 17 in a row in September. They were favored to win the division and didn't. And Schilt got fired today. I love fiery managers, you know that. I think it's always the solution because I don't want to be fired myself. But what John Mazziliak said today as the president of baseball operations was mind-boggling. He said we had philosophical differences with Mike Schilt. You know what that means? One of two things. Schilt didn't want to do what Mazziliak wanted him to do during the game or they actually just hated each other. And Mozilliak said, I'm gonna fire one of your coaches. They go to Bill DeWitt, the owner, and they say one of three things. Bill, either I go or he goes. What's it gonna be? If you're an owner and you have a GM come to you and you say, it's either him or me, you choose the GM. I did that twice with Jeffrey, the owner of the Marlins. I said to him that if he didn't fire a guy that I was going to leave, I'm sorry for the sweat. This is live. There's no air where I am. And I, my, I have like 102 fever. <laughs> I swear to you, it's true. But I'm here, not sleeping. John Mazuliak and Mike Schilt obviously had a problem relationship. That is the only reason why there'd be a firing. So my advice to you, Cardinal fans, don't get on Moziliak because you've been tweeting at me all day. It doesn't matter. They're going to bring in a manager, an internal candidate, and your team will still be favored to win the Central Division. I want to answer a couple questions. I believe they're going to go internal. I believe that makes the most sense for the Cardinals. The rumor is Stubby Clapp, who we always thought would make a great manager, even when he was a player. 
Coca, I don't remember the year, but we wanted to trade for Stubby Clap because we thought he would make a good person to have in our system as a coach or manager. I can't remember what year we did that, but we did, and now he's at that point. There's also a bench coach, third base coach named Marmol. Those are the two rumors. Either way, it could be Shoemaker, another rumor. It's not going to be a Tony LaRusa type, I promise you that. All right. Give me some other questions right now because we're live. Lose the blazer if I need to. Yes, I would like to, but I think I'm sweating all the way through my white shirt. I do the Boston Marathon and then I get sick. That's exactly what happened, actually. How much money does a team make with three or four LCS games? At this stage, is it ever about the money? What do you mean, Jeremy? That's a great question. We want to host as many home games as possible. There is an advantage to the Braves in hosting. But in a series, you actually don't start making money until games five through seven. Little known fact there. The first four games, for the most part, go into the pool that gets distributed to players and MLB and umpires. As you head into the last three games, the home team gets a bigger percentage of those dollars. So we always rooted for as many games as possible if we weren't going to win. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather sweep a series because as you go deeper into the playoffs, you make more money. Why? Because MLB sets the ticket prices, not you. Actually, the way it really works is you give MLB what you want to charge and MLB then has to approve it. And if they don't like what you're charging, they change it. So MLB has the final say with ticket prices. There are no comps in the postseason, unlike the regular season, because you're maximizing revenue as much as possible. So I'm happy to sweep. But once the World Series comes, where you can't get into the next round, I want as many games as possible. And so does MLB, by the way. That's a great question. Thank you. What contract would I offer Freddie Freeman? Let's talk about Freddie Freeman. Are you resigning the MVP if you're the Braves? You have Acuna. You got to think what you're going to do with Soroka and Free. They're getting more expensive. Soroka's going to come back. You have to keep Freddie Freeman, right? Here's what Freddie Freeman gets. 150 over five. And that is a thank you contract for everything that he's done for the Braves. I'm going to give him up to 30. No more. And I'm going to give him five years, which is two years too many. He probably has three years of superior performance left, but you're going to offer him the fourth year plus an option, maybe a fifth year, because Freddie Freeman is going into the Hall of Fame as a Brave. Ooh, I got to answer the question about Bauer, please. If the Dodgers win it all, will Trevor Bauer get a ring? I don't know if you've heard my story about the ring rules. When we won the World Series, Larry Beinfest and I had 30 pages of ring rules. Who gets a ring? What kind of ring? We had three kinds of rings, an A ring, a B ring, and a C ring. We would have made a special rule that would have said the following. Any player on the administrative leave list is not eligible for a ring. There is zero chance Trevor Bauer gets a ring. Zero. I had to answer that, and I did it quickly. 
What would you like me to expand on? I'm asking you, Lucas. I can't tell. Is it true Max has no shirt? I'm not watching. Have I picked up Steve Cohen's phone call yet? No, that's another good question. Thank you so much. Listen, I got to tell you why I love these live things because you all interact so much. Uh, you want to talk TV money now? I like that you want to talk business. Matt, how significant is the TV money for postseason games? When Turner and Fox and ESPN make their bid for the national TV package, at least 70% of the annual dollars are allocated to the postseason games. That is how unbelievably important postseason is. Do you remember last year during COVID? The 60 game season? All that mattered was having a full postseason. That's all the commissioner cared about because that's all the networks cared about. And it went so far as MLB and ESPN making a new deal this year where they eliminated the midweek game where Fox got rid of like the mid, the Saturday game during the regular season. No one cares. But postseason, everyone's watching. That's where the money's made. Around 70% is all based on postseason. All right, Coca. I don't know how long we've been doing this. Let me get another one. Anyway, the umpire union gets pressure after this terrible postseason by the umps. I'm sorry, who's asking that? What, why are you asking that? Are people wondering about umpires and how, that, how the relationship works with the union? Well, let me tell you. If you think that the commissioner has a bad relationship with the players union, the relationship with the umpires union is 50 times worse. Major League Baseball wants to get rid of old bad umpires so badly. I'm not going to call out the names, but you know who they are. You may have seen one of them ump tonight. MLB would do anything to get rid of these umps, to not give them any power, to squeeze them until the point where circulation is cut off. What was the question, Coca? Yes, MLB does get involved with the umpires union, but at certain point when you're a union, there's nothing they can do. That's why there was that guy umping today's game. Do you know who I'm talking about, folks? David, will they ever change the home areas for MLB streaming? I live in Charlotte and am claimed by Baltimore, Atlanta, Cincy, and Washington. It sucks, S-U-X. So let me explain the blackouts because so many people are concerned and upset about the blackout rule. When we negotiate with a local rights holder, let's say we're negotiating with Fox Sports Florida, which is now called Bally's, whatever it's called. It used to be called Cablevision back in the day, but it was Fox Florida when I was there. They want to be assured of one thing. That people in Florida cannot watch the Yankees instead of the Marlins. Because the cable companies in Florida have to have Fox Florida on their tier. 
because that is the only way for the local fans to watch the Marlins. But the cable company cannot offer the Yankee games, not because they don't want to, but because they're not allowed to show it in the area of the home team. Because imagine if they were. Then the cable company would say, we don't want Fox Florida on the tier. We want Yes Network because we've got fans in South Florida who'd rather watch the Yankees. Then Fox Sports Florida would go to the Marlins and say, hey, we can get your games on cable, but the network, cable network, will only pay us 20 cents a sub, not $5 a sub that we would normally get if you're the only game in town. So if you're only going to get 20 cents a sub, if we're only getting that, we're only offering you 10 cents a sub. So your local TV deal is going to suck, S-U-X. MLB doesn't want that. Therefore, there is protection of a home area as defined for all 30 teams. And in that home area, and it's not just South Florida for the Marlins, we have a bit of Alabama, a bit of Northern Florida. Tampa has a cutout in the Tampa area in Florida. I was always rooting for Tampa to relocate. Do you know why? If Tampa relocates, then we'd own all of Florida, which means all the subs, sub money in Tampa would actually come the Marlins way. Tampa was rooting for us to relocate or get contracted because then their little area in Florida would become the entire state. The reason blackouts will never change going forward is that now they have to hold on to it with dear for dear life because guess what's coming now? It's all digital. We're a few years away from a la carte, the biggest nightmare for small market teams the biggest exciting moment for teams like the Yankees. MLB has to figure out how to share revenue for digital rights. And do you know what they used to do? Early in my career, a vote was taken with owners that digital rights would be held by Major League Baseball and all monetization would be split amongst the 30 teams. But as the divide grew between big revenue and small revenue teams, teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Dodgers, they wanted their digital rights back. They wanted to monetize their own digital rights because splitting the digital rights with 30 teams would cost them more money then getting the money for themselves, but then having more revenue that they have to share in revenue sharing. Do you get the math on that? If you have digital rights and you're the Dodgers and you can get $50 million, let's just say 30 for math, $30 million for your digital rights a year. The number's way bigger, but say it's 30. That's actually, if it's owned by baseball, $1 million per team. So the Dodgers would get $1 million. If the Dodgers get to keep their digital rights, they get $30 million, but they only get to keep 66 cents of the dollar because a third of that, a third of every dollar for a team like the Dodgers or any team that pays into the revenue sharing system, a third of every dollar goes to revenue sharing. 
which means they would only keep 20 million of 30 million, which is a bigger number, 20 million or 1 million. That is why the fights have been going on between large market and small market teams and big revenue and low revenue teams over digital rights, over monetization of those rights for years. The trend in baseball today is to give the teams back their digital rights. What else? We lost our pick of the day, by the way. Did you see that backdoor BS cover by the Eagles getting a two-point conversion? It's an outrage. We were giving six and a half points or seven points in the pick of the day. And I think the Patriots only won by six because of the two-point conversion. It's a joke. All right. I'm going to wrap. I appreciate it. I would normally stay on all night, but I got to tell you, I am a disaster. If you're watching this live, thank you. If you're listening to this as part of the podcast feed, I appreciate it. But what you're not seeing is that my nose is running and I'm sweating like Albert Brooks. Stay tuned for all of postseason. Nothing personal. We'll be back throughout October. We're here every day for you. Thanks for joining us. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.